Arizona State Sun Devils stroll down Interstate 10 to Tucson to take on their Territorial Cup foe in the fish tank against the Arizona Wildcats. The Territorial Cup had been held by the Sun Devils for five straight seasons. At the beginning of the game, the Wildcats weaved into the end zone at warp speed after a 51-yard touchdown taking an early Arizona advantage 7-0. The Sun Devils signal caller slung the sphere sloppily, and the Wildcats wandered in front for an interception. The Wildcats cashed in a field goal for an early 10-0 lead. The Sun Devils shook off the slip-up and steadied themselves for a 75-yard touchdown drive to slice the lead down to 10-7. Arizona attempted to answer but threw an ill-timed interception in the Arizona State end zone. The Sun Devils then danced their way down the field to take a 14-10 lead with a few ticks left in the first half. Arizona and Arizona State attacked each other's defense, going toe-to-toe in the form of touchdown after touchdown after touchdown in a territorial cup clash at a crazy clip. However, the Sun Devils slipped up and mishandled the moleskin while the Cats clawed at the ball carrier. The Wildcats whisked into the end zone after a 72-yard run, taking a 10-point lead, 31-21. The determined Devils diagnosed the Cats' defense and drove down the field on their next two drives for two touchdowns to take the lead back, 35-31. The Wildcats weaved through the Devils' defense rambunctiously, rushing down the field to take the lead back, 38-35. Arizona State attempted to answer, but the Cats pounced on the pineapple after a seemingly fatal fumble. However, the Sun Devils stoned the Cats on a fourth down and gained one last-ditch attempt to tie the tussle. The Sun Devils' signal caller slid back to pass, but the Cats captured the football after another impetuously thrown interception. The Wildcats were set to kneel out the game, but a brouhaha bubbled up and boiled over, causing six players to be tossed from the final minute of the game. The Tucson Theodogors enjoyed the wonderful Wildcats performance as they raised the Territorial Cup for the first time since 2016. Welcome everyone to the Sickos Committee Podcast. This is our recap week 13. This time it is Jordan who is leading this podcast. I thank Pit Girl and everyone else for uh, standing by in my stead last Tuesday. I was trying to record from outside my house and it turns out my Wi-Fi, it was not as good as I thought it was. I tried to load it a couple of times. I said some very choice words. And then we put out the call for help. Beth showed up. It was great. The episode was delightful. Oh, by the way, when I said lightly edited, I meant lightly edited. Did you notice that? Yeah. I, I, it definitely felt like it was Sickos Committee podcast uncut or unplugged. Yep. It, it, there was not any. <laughs> I can't I can't remember if any part was edited at all, honestly. I listened to it at like three times speed i usually edit it two times speed i listen to it at three times speed just to trim out some of like the longer silences but i didn't do my usual pass because i was i was in the middle of like prepping for thanksgiving too and so it was just this rolling set of disasters it was hilarious now it's hilarious it was not hilarious it's very clear it was not hilarious at the time right now i'm laughing right now it's good (laughs) so with me tonight as always i have the commish and i have our special west virginia representative beth Beth, how was your weekend? How was Thanksgiving? So my Thanksgiving happened on Tuesday and I'm sorry, on Thursday, on Friday and on Saturday. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a rolling Thanksgiving avalanche. Gotcha. We had about 20 people at my house. Jesus from, Christ. Like Wednesday afternoon on. I'm kind of in a fugue state. There were toddlers. There were so many toddlers. Just so many. <laughs> how many of the crock pots did you use? Um, Six. So if you guys don't know this about Beth, and I don't, I don't, I don't think we've I'd ever imagine you don't. <laughs> and you don't. And you probably don't because I've never mentioned it on here before. Beth has a collection of crockpots. We'll say a dozen? Nine. Nine. Okay, only nine. So you were using six out of nine. That's way better usage than I get out of my one, I think. 
my kitchen has a whole lot of things that most people don't have. I have eight coffee percolators. Wait, I have. Wait, say vote. Time out. Percolators? Yes. Like the glass percolators. Are are you making coffee in the 1940s? Like, wait, I didn't know those existed anymore. Yeah, no, they do. I have like, you know, the old fashioned funnel potato ricers? Yeah. Six of them. So I guess if a restaurant ever breaks out or I need to suddenly be a 50s diner, I have it absolutely on lockdown. This will not be a problem at all. The fun fact, I don't I don't drink caffeine at all. <laughs> That's right. What kind of power does your kitchen have that you can put six crock pots on and not trip every breaker in your house? So the kitchen or, or what or what breakers are you are you like putting pennies in to, you know, to stop them from tripping? The kitchen has four breakers just by itself. <laughs> And then the dining room has another two. This house is kind of a marvel. But yeah, if you ever need somebody to host dinner for 100 to 150, I definitely have the stuff to do it. My wife and I used to host a grilled cheese sandwich party. We need to do it again. Mm-hmm. Where where our like we would have all we'd buy breads, we'd buy all sorts of toppings, whatever. And we'd have like a couple of like planches or, or griddle panini presses. And we always had to be careful because we put, if we put too many in the same breaker, like it would go. Mm hmm. Like six crock pots would make my kitchen melt. Like oh, all those no, little this... of GSL, GFCI, like pop, pop, pop every time. <laughs> no, this is not a problem here. I have never managed to pop any. Well, the breaker on the oven is a little dodgy. It tends to sort of pop itself <laughs> occasionally. I haven't had any other breaker problems in the kitchen ever. I've, well. And I didn't have the five gallon roaster going this time. So. <laughs> Kamish, how was your Thanksgiving? It was a good time. I I had some fun experimenting with turkey. Uh, I actually smoked the turkey. I, I did it a little bit different than what I've usually done. So I, I used a different brine, uh, a different you know method to to smoke the turkey. I didn't put it directly on the grill this time. I used one of those like like roasting pans in the situation oh, while yeah. I was using the outdoor smoker. So it came out amazing, like incredibly juicy. The turkey was just so juicy. I started cutting it on the cutting board that I have, and, and I have lips around the cutting board. Mm-hmm. As I'm cutting it, like the juices of the turkey just overflowing the cutting board. And all of a sudden, it starts overflowing the <laughs> island where I'm where I'm trying to cut the turkey. Like I'm like, I have never made a turkey this juicy before. It, it sounds like a humble brag, but it turned into a problem quickly. So I <laughs> like I'm only on like one side of the turkey breast cutting the, the breast and juices are just overflowing all over the top of my shoes like like right down the island <laughs> we had to we had to I, I didn't even finish cutting or carving the turkey on the island in this in this case until we had to mop twice i had to take off my shoes after i was done just juice everywhere <laughs> oh the turkey God. the turkey was phenomenal so i i did like this this cajun style brine I, I got it nice. I had a nice seasoning on the outside of it, and then I, I threw in some Tony Saturi's injectable butter, uh, oh, yeah. and which was probably the a lot of the juiciness uh, was 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 some of that injectable butter. Which this sounds like something I need to know about. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. You need to to get some of this Tony Saturi's injectable butter. This is not an ad. Tony Saturi's is a, is a lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Again, this, how- is- <laughs> this however is an ad for the official Sickos Committee Turkey Moat. Which the commission is just unknowingly yeah. invented. So TM. I just want to throw in a after talking about how everything was so juicy and so moist and how it was so moist you needed a mop. I just want to throw in a ladies. Okay, now I'm good. <laughs> oh, 
Well, I mean, I, I did pass up on, on Beth talking about using six of her nine crockpots, which was very yeah. nice. So, yeah, that, that mm-hmm. was nice. I, I skipped that one. But if you're going to go there, I'm going to go there, too. My, go for my, it. My biggest, my biggest win was I, I called an audible on how I was going to cook the turkey the day of, which is always a good sign. I got up in the morning and I was like, you know, I really don't want to roast this whole bird and take it and make it take. Cause I had the, ro- I had the roasting pan. I had it set. The timer set. I had everything. It's like, I'm not going to do this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spatchcock this fucker and I'm going to just like, I'm just, I'm going to cut lemons and like, I, I bought like five pounds of garlic and I'm going to cut lemons and heads of garlic. And I'm just literally going to put them on a sheet and just race, like just roast the turkey on top of lemon and garlic. And I'll flip it once or twice as it's going. And it took about two hours to cook an entire turkey and it was delicious. And I can't complain. I completely called an audible and it worked. That's the epitome of hubris right there. Like, like mm-hmm. that's how, that's how stories start. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and then we ended up getting pizza because yep. Jordan decided he was going to, you know, fucking be, you know, Eric repair on Thanksgiving day and tried to, you know, call, call a audible on something. So that was, I did, I did fuck up one thing and that was, I made that delicious sour cream and marshmallow salad that I love so much. My grandma's recipe, that Waldorf salad recipe. I forgot to put it on the table. I made it the day before. And like, I still have it. I've been eating it. It's delicious. But I forgot to put it on the table for Thanksgiving because I just was putting everything else out. And just, it was in the fridge and forgot it. Are you sure that it wasn't just like subconsciously you're thinking like, I need this for me. This needs to be my thing. So good. And, And I love putting it in front of people because- it's so white. The way the marshmallows melt with the sour cream, I don't know what the chemical process is, but it feels ungodly. Oh, I'm glad I'm glad we all have good Thanksgivings. And I am excited to talk about what the hell happened in football this weekend because things started off the rails and then just continued to do so. First off, I want to pour one out. Kamish had a very bad, no good, rotten football weekend. It was not a good one. The Friday, great. Friday, fantastic. Tulane win on Friday was was huge for the commission's household. I mean, we had the United States and England, the draw, everything on Friday, great. Mm-hmm. Saturday and and today, just awful. Like any any team affiliated with myself that that I've rooted for at some point or had some affiliation like with, just just lost. It was just not good for me personally. It it was a bummer of a weekend. Like, how do you lose to the how do you lose to the 49ers 13 to 0? That ended a non-shutout streak of 322 games today. The, the last time they were shut out was in 2001. So the last <laughs> time the Saints were shut out was in 2001. Yes, that happened this weekend. So any any team affiliate I'm glad Tulane was safe, but now they're trying to take Tulane's coach away. I'm like, "No. Don't do it, Georgia Tech. Don't do it. Leave Willie Fritz alone." The beautiful Thursday tradition, like every good Thanksgiving, you have your food, you have your family issues, and then you sit down and watch the Egg Bowl. And you watch, it's like watching two families have the most angry, violent Thanksgiving dinner you can ever imagine. And it was glorious. Mike Leach, looking like John Belushi more and more, the late, late years, coming out and just winning the Egg Bowl while Lane Kiffin... Mm-hmm. looks like he's trying so Mike Leach looks like he doesn't try at all and Lane Kiffin looks like he's trying so hard and then when Lane loses it's even funnier 
The expression on Mike Leach's face for the vast majority of this game looked like he was part of the Rankin and Bass extended universe. Like, if you yeah. told me he was the bad guy and Santa Claus is coming to town, I would have bought it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he does He does have a lot of claymation features. I'll put it that way. He does. And he's fantastic. I love Mike Leach. <laughs> now I got Mike Leach as bad Santa in my head. Mm-hmm. That's... <laughs> oh, God. You could sub out Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> For Mike Leach and not much would change. I'm just saying. <laughs> Mike Leach in Sling Blade. <laughs> oh my god. That now that one's a deep cut. Listen, I'm okay. a West Virginia correspondent. There's rules. That's right. Back to the Hilljack land. <laughs> no, this one was old Miss I'm just gonna say this about this game. It, it's always on Thanksgiving evening. And, and then there, of course there's like NFL games all day long. But in the college football world. Everybody just goes, hey, Mississippi, entertain us tonight. And Mississippi delivers every single time. Mm-hmm. The entire state of Mississippi. I know Southern Miss is just, you know, in the corner or whatever, just just watching, not participating in this situation. Ole Miss and Mississippi State, they deliver. It's amazing. Every year they deliver. It's fantastic. Ole Miss in this game, they kept settling for field goals. They just could not get in the end zone for anything. It was incredibly frustrating for Lane. Then there's I, the rumors. I assume I assume <laughs> it like emotionally killed Lane to have to kick that many field goals. I can't imagine the version oh, yeah. of hell for him that is. Just incredibly frustrating. I think his son got to shoot off like a fire extinguisher or something in the game too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was great. After they scored the touchdown, finally scored a touchdown, which was nice. Beautiful Mississippi action here. I, I, there's really nothing else I, I can explain the game. Just. Just Mississippi to its its nth degree. Yep. And long, long live the Egg Bowl. Long live the Egg Bowl. And and of course it ended because of a failed two point conversion play that I I have no clue what he called, but that wasn't that wasn't it, Lane. <laughs> Lane, I don't know what you called, Lane, but that wasn't it. There was there was some heavy clock commandering here, which we'll get to at the end by Lane. People have nominated him for clock commander of the year. Uh, I think we may need a graphic for Clock Commander. I can do yeah, each week. That. We need to do that. I I don't know if that that's in the spirit of the committee. That may be a little bit too, I guess, mean. But I, we can discuss that a little bit further. If uh, you make if you make over five hundred thousand dollars a year, you okay. can take you can take a mean graphic. Okay. I'm not count. I'm not counting Terry in that clearly. Well, I mean Terry. I've seen some things that he he may have been bumped to six hundred thousand a year, but whoa. I don't know. <laughs> he's, still the, he's still the lowest paid coach tied with an, another coach i saw but i i can't remember i think it was ball state's coach or no bowling green scott loffler after the game and Ole miss lost in that fashion there was twitter search where the Ole miss fans started tweeting auburn can have him <laughs> because the rumors of him going to auburn being the next auburn head coach which it doesn't appear to be at this point but i'm not closing the door on this I, I'm clo- I'm closing the door on Auburn. He oh. did the Lincoln Riley thing where he said, like, I'm not taking the Auburn job. Like, he, he said specifically, because remember, Lincoln said, I'm not taking the LSU job. He did not take the LSU job. He went to <laughs> California. So it, the, the specificity was great. Also, again, Lane has the heart of a shit poster, and that's why I love him so much. I think as millennial shit posters, all three of us, we, we, see, <laughs> we see that in ourselves, and it makes us very happy because... No coach does it like Lane does. You know, Lane, someone someone had posted, oh, breaking, Lane Kiffin going to Auburn. 
and Lane's just like shit posting back all sorts of stuff that like breaking this journalist no longer is working here anymore. Ha ha ha. Whatever. Like it was great. And of course, Mississippi state uses that format as their victory post, which was perfect. Thank you. Mississippi. Thank you so much for this. As Godfrey says, everything is Mississippi. On Thanksgiving night, everyone is is from Mississippi, and we definitely enjoyed the Egg Bowl. Tulane beats Cincinnati and punches their ticket to the American title game. Tulane, you've had such a great year. So happy for you. This was a great game as well. It was pretty back and forth, which it should have been because both these teams were pretty good. And Tulane just stood their ground and said, nope. I'm so happy that Tulane won this. This is the first time they've been they've been in a conference championship game. I say I think 1960s. I think I don't know. I, that believe, the, I don't think there were uh, conference championship games. A conference back then. championship. Sorry, they won a conference championship. It was 1998. They won conference USA back then in 98. But yeah, this is the first time they've I guess been up for a conference championship. They haven't won won one since 1998. Would be right. the year. Yeah, but before that, again. I think I got it confused because this was the first time that they beat a ranked AP top 25 team. That was a 61 game losing streak. Snap. It was a, it was a long one from 1984. Mm-hmm. It was the first time in, in 13,927 days that Tulane beat a, a team ranked in the AP top 25. I also love a conference championship game that moves around. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I like, I like, sorry, I like that. catch up. Cat jumping on the keyboard. Oh, what happens? Mm-hmm. By the way, do you know who that uh, ranked team they beat in '84 was? No idea. That was number 19 Vanderbilt. <laughs> so it was a different time then. <laughs> it was a different, different, weird, weird time. <laughs> Shout out to Valentino Ambrosio, by the way. Valentino Ambrosio was the kicker for Rutgers last yes. year. Last year, and, yes, and. And we like really got into him because that's a really fucking Italian name. And he's a fun dude and all this stuff. And then he just happened to go to Tulane. We have our picture of the green wave with the pinched Italian fingers. <laughs> and he's retweeting us. Hell yeah. Thank you, Valentino. Thank you so much. That was awesome. I was like, when Valentino Ambrosio makes a long field goal for Tulane. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Grazie, Valentino. Grazie, grazie. Surprisingly not... From Australia, not an Australian kicker. Didn't oh, it, you know, just thought I'd throw that in there. An Italian hmm. kicker. That's amazing. He's a kicker, not a punter. So that's, that's a right. Bit that's right. A little bit different there. What's so. our what's the what's the nationality of kickers we're going to find? Because we're getting we're getting punters from Australia, but not kickers. We're, like, wanna, are we going to like have I, like Balkan kickers? I just want them to all be from New Jersey. <laughs> okay, just that's that's what it is. It's like no, they're not from no, no, they're not like from Croatia or anything. They're just from like somewhere between like there's six exits on the turnpike, and they're all yeah. from there. I don't know why. Yeah, they just wander out of the Pine Barrens like the Jersey Devil. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> Our game of the week was the Territorial Cup, the Tea Cup. <laughs> Beth's Tea Set. Yes, it's the oldest trophy in college football known to man. I guess. So yeah, known this to, known <laughs> to man, like they fucking carbon dated it and unearthed it. That's right. They know it's the oldest one because it appeared in uh, the third Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. It's the chalice of a carpenter. Hey, this game was first off really early in the day. It, it was, was like, like a, noon. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't. I can't imagine. 
especially this game, which has had some weird history lately. I seem to remember a 70 to 7 game that that was an absolute massacre. That may have been the COVID year, I think. This year, however, this game was just a lot of fun. Arizona wins 38-35. This was nuts. Like, Arizona State turned mm-hmm. the ball over five times. Arizona only turned it over once, which was one interception. And they really didn't pass the ball much because they were just running all over the Sun Devils. It was ridiculous. They they could not stop Arizona's running game, which is strange because we never saw the running game all year long from Arizona. Yeah. All of a sudden, it shows up in the last game of the year, which was insane. Also, we had the brawling mascots on the sideline between Sparky and Wilbur. Okay, so so I thought that this was a real fight. Then I saw the boxing gloves, but then I saw the way they were hitting each other. And I'm not so convinced that it didn't go from like playful fight to like that cat's head fucking spun. <laughs> it looks like a rock'em sock'em robot. Sparky was getting in some shots. I don't know if there was some sort of some personal thing. And then I believe... Mike Golick Jr., uh, a friend of the committee, you know, he has a thread ongoing about, you know, mascot, lady mascots being unfaithful. Mm-hmm. And and Wilma, the wildcat, uh, and Sparky, he said, this seems kind of personal here. So he was maybe saying that Sparky and Wilbur, Wilbur find, found out about Sparky with Wilma. <laughs> now, and... see, see, I, I, see what, I, what I really think is that Wilma has... A hall pass. Wilma has Wilma has a thing, and and Wilbur basically said like, "Hey, anyone but Sparky. I just just not him, okay? <laughs> just not Sparky, please. The duck, I don't fucking care. The beaver, I don't care. The dog, whatever. Just not him, please." And she fucks Sparky, and that's what happened. That's what we saw. Okay, I'm well, just saying. I'm just well, saying. You gotta have. You gotta have strong. We gotta get everyone a copy of the Ethical Slut. It's a great book. Mm-hmm. Gotta make sure that. Wilma is openly communicating with Wilbur because this looks a communication problem. It's always important to make sure your communication here is important, guys. And please, please have your mascots tested. Fritz, for everyone's safety. (laughs) Speaking of brawls at the end of this game, which it was crazy. Arizona was up 31-21. Then Arizona State comes back to make it 35-31. Arizona takes a lead 38-35. Arizona State fumbles. But then they stop Arizona on downs. Then they get the ball back and throw an interception. After that interception, basically to seal the game, there were some brawls between the players. I mean, it really didn't look like it was like severe, heavy blows between the players. But there was lots of of pushing and chest bumping. It wasn't wasn't huge. Yeah, there was no helmet swinging or anything like that. The funny part for me is that the ref had to have a note card with all the ejections on it. And he had to read out every single number to make sure he had them right. But then he had them separated like, hey, you're ejected, but you can stay on the sideline. You're these these people, they're ejected, but you gotta get off the field. <laughs> like you have to leave the oh, premises. Yeah. I didn't I, I, I didn't realize that because I guess because because now with targeting penalties, you don't have to go into the locker room, like you can stay on the sideline. So now there's very specific like ejected and ejected off the like you have to leave you have to leave the playing area or whatever yeah it it very much had the energy of like the substitute guy running the basket raffle at the 50 50 mm-hmm. and he's not really quite sure who's getting which basket and he's just trying to get through all of these numbers as best he can i was deeply confused very quickly <laughs> this game had over 1000 yards of offense over 200 yards of penalties 
And that does not include the six players who were ejected because those were offsetting. I, I feel like, again, this was you, you people wanted the Egg Bowl as the Sickos game of the week, which I understand it was number two. But I feel like this one did just enough to get by and earn the number one ranking here. And and, and the on-field performance, a lot more points, a lot more yards, boxing mascots, <laughs> brawling players. Yeah, you know, I, I think it. I think it won this one. It was close, but I think it won this week. We we and, we called it and, right. It was close. And the oldest tea set in That's right. history. <laughs> That's right. The grandma oldest. brought out the fine china. That's right. There's a lot of grandma in college football this week. There was a lot, was. a lot of a lot of things that you would see on a on a shelf, and the shelf itself. Yes. That's right. <laughs> We'll go on to North Carolina State 30, UNC 27. UNC misses a field goal in second overtime to lose. It was actually a pretty close game. Both teams played basically right at each other. The one that the appalling thing that I found was North Carolina State was four for 60 on third down and UNC was five for 20. Fucking yikes, guys. Every, every drive just like evaporated. So I, I, I fucked this up. I, I, I jumped early at the end of the game and I posted a video of one of my favorite videos and I can't remember where I found it. It was from a year or two ago. It's of a, a guy wearing UNC colors looking very distraught and his girlfriend who's wearing North, North Carolina state colors sort of like glaring at him, seeing that she's on camera and going, yeah, Wolfpack and throwing the sign up, go Wolfpack, go Wolfpack. She looks over at her boy who's still like being sad and she just rolls her eyes at him. And it's so fucking beautiful. I want to know their story. I want to know what happened. I need to know the whole thing. It's gorgeous. So that wasn't from this game? No, this was from at least a year or two ago. Oh, okay. So like people were picking it up and quote tweeting it. And they were thinking it was this game. Mm. Because it, it was a game that was in North Carolina. So it fit the must setting. Been, it must, so have two, must have been, been two years ago then. It may have been two years ago then. So that... You know, two or four, depending on who knows, really. Yeah, I was like, where did this video come from? And I was like, I don't remember seeing it. And I was very confused where it came from. But, you know, I had to ask where you got it from. It's okay. it's, it's, it's one of my favorites because, it, man, it, it tells it tells a beautiful story in, in six seconds. Those are my favorite kinds of crowd shots. The kinds of crowd shots that tell like a whole fucking tale in six seconds. The whole dynamic. You can tell people's relationships. You can see things falling apart in real time. Oh, it's beautiful. That 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 relationship either ended that night or they are absolutely married by now. Yeah, right. There's right. no other way that that goes. Like that was either the end or that was like you have passed the point of no return. Let's go to the Big Ten West. Nebraska 24, Iowa 17. <laughs> Congrats, Nebraska. You found it. You found it. And the best part was one of those games, Nebraska scored 24 points and then stopped. They hit their max. And Nebraska fans are panicking because the game was in control and then it evap- starts evaporating. Slowly, slowly melting away. Oh, the Cornhusker, so nobody was, nobody was pleased with anything. Iowa couldn't believe what was going on. I honestly couldn't believe what was going on. And it just slowly started to melt away and away and away and away and away. And you're like, uh, Nebraska, are you going to do this? <laughs> Don't do this, Nebraska. <laughs> Don't do it. When they said that Iowa's biggest comeback this season was three points, <clears throat> I knew Nebraska had it in the bag. I didn't care uh, what. 
No. I, I didn't care what it was. I, I knew Nebraska had it in the bag. No, 24 I was terrified. Was too much. I was terrified because when they show those graphics for Nebraska, like in the Scott Frost era, those were like ominous signs. So I was I was the opposite side of things. I was terrified. My toddler, we were watching the game. My toddler, favorite color is red. And he was like, I'm rooting for Nebraska because they have red pants and red is my favorite color. And and then and then I told him, I was like, hey, do you know their their name? They're the Cornhuskers. And he was like, what? I like corn, too. <laughs> Match made in heaven. Yep. And, it just, and he was having fun when they're up 24 nothing. Then he started to get worried. I'm like, oh, no, Nebraska, don't do this to my son. Don't do this to my son. Don't do it, Nebraska. So it was even, I was like, don't, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Vaunted Iowa defense that we've talked about all this year. Let Casey Thompson go two, sorry, 20 for 29, 278 yards, three TDs. Iowa hands the Big Ten away. Big Ten West away. It was crazy. Yeah. There was there was a wide receiver for Nebraska who was an LSU transfer. Uh, I think his name is Trey Parker. And he, he I think he set the most receiving yards in Nebraska history. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just went over a thousand yards after this game. But he was like sixth on the depth chart for LSU and then he, he transferred to Nebraska this year and he already set like a school record for the most receiving yards. I think it's the most. I, I apologize if it's not, but I believe it is. Jesus. So yeah, Iowa passes it away and we'll get to what we'll get to the other half of what how that all worked out in a little bit. Another game that ended up being very, very stupid. Florida State beat Florida 45 to 38. And this one was just all gas, no breaks. In fact, that seemed to be the theme of this week. There were mm-hmm. so many games that were like 1,000 total yards between both teams. Everyone's defense just decided to pat, just to, decided to not show up. It was nuts. There was one point in the game where it just felt like Florida was on the goal line for like 30 straight plays. Yeah. It, it was the endless drive, and the Gators were down 38-24 at this point, and you kind of thought it was out of reach, and like Florida's just – on the doorstep and they just cannot get in the drive, get into the end zone to make it 38, 31. This, this was the sequence that happened. It was the beginning of the fourth. So it's fourth and one at Florida state's 14 Florida goes for it. They get it. They run five yards to the Florida, Florida state five for a first down. Then, then the fun begins from here. <laughs> so, so first and goal at the Florida State 5, they run for no game, but then there was a first down, Florida State penalty for a personal foul. So it gets Florida down to the Florida State 2, and it's a first down again. So first and goal at the Florida State 2. Florida State, another penalty <laughs> offsides. So Florida is now on Florida State's 1. Oh, my God. First and goal at Florida State's 1. Again, the third time. <laughs> Florida runs the ball. Actually, there's a play this time. It's amazing. No gain. Florida State <laughs> still at the Florida State one. Second and goal. Florida State one here. Anthony Richardson pass incomplete. So now it is third and goal at the Florida State one. Florida got a penalty for illegal formation back five yards to now they're at the Florida State five. So third and goal at the Florida State five. I'm sorry. Third and goal at the Florida State six. I, my apologies. I, there you the go, math guy. was wrong there. So here we go. Third and goal. At the Florida State 6, Anthony Richard pass incomplete. Penalty Florida State, pass interference, no play. First down Florida, puts the ball 
on Florida State's two-yard line. Jesus. <laughs> First and goal back at Florida State's two-yard line. Florida runs the ball one yard to get to the Florida State one-yard line. <laughs> Second and goal at the Florida State one. Finally, Florida <laughs> touchdown, one-yard run, and they make the kick to make it 38-31. That was the most exhausting set of downs that I've seen this year. It felt like an eternity. It was like two and a half minutes a clock, which meant that in real time, it was like 30 minutes. Yes. It, it felt like it was it was just forever. It was just in, insane. Two and a half minutes to go 14 yards. That's incredible. That yep. is plate tectonics football at its finest. Navy would be proud of that drive, Florida. Florida State scored the go-ahead TD with four minutes left, and then Florida just had nothing left in the tank. They was pretty clear that they had nothing left at that point, and they just sort of let it go. Florida's still 6-6. Six and six. They're still going to a bowl. Florida State looks real good. We don't need to talk a bunch about Michigan 45, Ohio State 23, because that's what other podcasts do. Mm-hmm. I think the only interesting things are, one, that it happened, and two... I I have really loved finding footage of old games and finding out that like people just didn't give a shit about their ACLs or knees or ankles back in the days because chop blocks, man. Did you see the video I posted of the, uh, the punt return? Yes. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Just those Michigan guys coming in, you know, for punt blocks from the front. No, no, no. They're chasing them down from behind. Well, were they, you know, trying to, you know, to stop them with their bodies? Nope. Diving at their fucking legs. Mm-hmm. I think I had like the freeze frame of it where like two, like two Michigan guys like basically clipped or block in the back. I don't even know if that was a penalty back in 1945. It didn't appear to be. I've <laughs> And like you can just see like Hitler, the Ohio State. Hitler would have called that a penalty, not in America. <laughs> the Ohio State guys just like in the air falling backwards. <laughs> like they just lost both of their legs because they could have possibly done with those blocks. It was ridiculous. Everyone knows the ACL wasn't invented until the 1980s. Listen. It was it was it was part of the CIA CIA operation. That's right. We we want a chicken in every pot. We want a car in every garage, and we want every hinge joint to be a ball and socket. Mm-hmm. At that point, they were just like GI Joes. There was no there was no problem at that point. There was no articulation in that part of their leg. It was fine. The only other thing about this game that was great was basically. I, did you tweet this out, Kamesh? No, I, I, I'm going to give credit to Chicken Sedan on this one because okay, this is like it wasn't an old, me. It's, it's a meme. It was related to Michigan and Chicken Sedan is a Michigan fan. So I'm going to say this was probably him. The tweet is, the plan? Have J.J. McCarthy miss on deep balls all season to convince Ohio State safety is to play tight so he can throw bombs over the top. It was and it was not. insane. It's, it's a picture of Nathan Fielder. So it's, it's an older meme, but I think that's Chicken Sedan there. He, he's the connoisseur of old memes and it's an old meme but it still checks out now there is another rivalry game i do want to talk about south carolina 31 clemson 30 clemson's vaunted home win streak gets evaporated by shane fucking beamer shout out to one of my best friends courtney who went to south carolina doesn't really like south carolina he's more of a georgia fan actually and i just got a text that said ha 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 get fucked clemson because <laughs> Because she doesn't care about much about college football, but like any good person who goes to any of these schools, she hates Clemson with every fiber of her being. She has stories of being in South Carolina band and having to be like pulled out of fist fights with Clemson fans in the stands because she would just fucking go. She's a clarinet player. She's fucking vicious. Oh yeah. Don't mess with clarinet players. 
she's fucking vicious. They got I, Beamer Butler, y'all. No, I had no clue about this don't mess with clarinet players, but... Clemson got too cute. That's a weird thing to say. Yeah. The fucking, like, punt return. They they took the punt return, and they all huddled up, and they tried to play, like, hide the egg. No, And so South Carolina... What, what was it? Go. Okay, so Clemson got a safety in the oh, situation. Oh, it was a free kick. It was a free kick. Okay, so it was that's a free kick, so it looked like okay. a punt return. It's okay. People may yell at, at us for not being accurate or we make typos. It doesn't matter. So Clemson, they get the free kick and then they do the muddle huddle, which is, I, I don't know. If, sometimes you do it from like center, you know, and you snap the ball or sometimes you do like something like a swinging gate on like an extra point or something like this. But this is a special teams version of the muddle huddle. Basically, you just have like five guys like come together and then they all go the different directions. Like this, seriously, this is like a play from the Little Giants, like the Shell like the, Game, the, the 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 movie, the Little Giants. This is like mm-hmm. I swear. So they try that, and everybody in South Carolina stays home. Like they were disciplined. Like they weren't fooled by this this move no, at all. They were nope. not playing at all. They were not playing. And then the one guy made the tackle and and forced a fumble. And South Carolina got the ball back. And then they were able to just basically almost erase the safety immediately. It was crazy. I couldn't tell if he was trying to lateral it or if the ball just came out. Cause it like, it flew in the air high enough. It looked like he was trying to like the lateral it, which would have been an even stupider move, which is why I don't think it was that. No, he got poked from behind. And as he was going forward, it, it got poked out from behind. And then like his arm, like pushed it looking like a lateral, but yeah, it was, it was a total fumble. Also, at some at some point in the future in the offseason, we'll have a conversation about the movie Little Giants and how the character of Icebox definitely influenced my taste in women for like decades to come. <laughs> Are we gonna have some therapy on Icebox? Me, okay. Me, me and me and me and rugby girls, like that that definitely became a thing. And I, I think I've traced it back to that movie. Okay. I am extremely grateful to that uh, to the play though, because like when the ball comes out at the end, the person who I was watching who I was watching with, who was a little bit older, was like, "Is that what a yeet is?" And I'm like, mm-hmm. yep. "Yes, that's what a yeet that's is." Yep. <laughs> that ball yep. got fucking yeeted. It did. Fumbles are great, but like there's certain fumbles that are just extremely comical, and that's one of those. Yeah. Like the ones where they get punched out and they fly super high in the air. It was kind of like one of those. But it got punched out and like flew in a completely different direction yeah. than this the, the is, runner was running. It's so it's so great. I love those so much that it's very much like the basketball missed dunk that goes flying into the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. I love it every time it happens. Just a regular look human again. Twenty five for thirty nine, three TDs, two interceptions. Like that's that's what we feel about Spencer Rattler. That feels correct. Let's talk about what Clemson did. Clemson had basically a whole quarter to come back and score one point. It was thirty one to thirty. After South Carolina went up, Clemson went three and out. They had two plays and threw an interception. They had five plays for 20 yards and then punted. And then they fumbled a South Carolina punt with two minutes left to seal the game. It just came apart in the most hilarious way. The only other thing I want to say about this is I adored the tweet with like the tiger trying to break into a hen house and finding a rooster in there as a as a farm kind of person, we get roosters because of what they do when a tiger tries to get into a hen house. The, my money is not on the tiger in that scenario ever. Like that is someone who's never encountered a rooster that's trying to defend its place. Like 
Mm-hmm. It is the funniest image imaginable. Like I sent it to I sent it to my one cousin who looked at it and was like, "Oh no, that's not good for that kitty at all." <laughs> Let's talk about the most surprising game of the day. New the Mexico best game State, of the day. Best game of the day. New the Mexico State forty nine, <laughs> Liberty fourteen. Get fucked, Hugh Freeze. This is hilarious. <laughs> New Mexico so, State's quarterback Diego Pavia absolutely just. The best thing about college sports is at some schools, you don't have to have a great season. You just have to have one game. And mm-hmm. if you have one transcendent game, it's all that matters. And Diego Pavia had his. Three rushing yeah. TDs, ran for 130 yards, and passed for 213 and three more TDs. Six touchdowns. It was amazing. So, like, after the Kiffin rumors, like, kind of died down after the Egg Bowl, then they said Auburn is going to hire Hugh Freeze, which it apparently... May have not happened, but I I don't know if this distracted Liberty at all. Uh, If it did, I don't care uh, because I'm happy New Mexico State won. Really, honestly, I mean, again, I would be a New Mexico State homer. But this game was amazing. Like, Liberty turned the ball over three times. It was 7-7 at one point, and then New Mexico State rattled off 42 unanswered (laughs) points. Like, just, just, oh, my God, just obliterated them. The... (laughs) The fun thing for me is there is a picture I put in the show notes. It's a picture of these two people in the Liberty Stadium sitting together. It's an older couple. And it shows in the corner, it says New Mexico State 49, Liberty 7. Now, that wasn't the final score, but that's okay. But you see the lady in purple? She's on her phone and she's smiling. So I don't know if she's happy like, hey, they're taking you free. (laughs) Thank God they're getting rid of him. But she's just so happy. And there's nobody else in the stands around him. It's just oh, yeah. No, everyone could clear it totally out at this it point. Out. It was cleared out at this point. I don't know who the, the lady is at the stand. Maybe it's New Mexico State fans. I don't know. But just that image of those two older folks just smiling. And then you just see the New Mexico State 49, Liberty 7. Amazing. And again, that that that, that is my lasting image of this game, uh, of the Aggies just obliterating liberty which is is always great just two older uh high level pokemon go players raiding neolego in the um in the yep. stands while they ignore mm-hmm. the football game it's beautiful you said it but let's be more clear this was yeah, at liberty this wasn't mm-hmm. a home game for new mexico state they went on oh. the road and just beat that ass and again 14 is overselling it because new mexico state scored sorry liberty scored that last touchdown with 15 seconds left in the game it was a garbage time td mm-hmm. yeah it was the actual score is 49 to 7 yep holy shit oh yeah new mexico state just bludgeoned them with a sock full of nickels and it was spectacular it was beautiful speaking of getting bludgeoned with a sock full of nickels jmu 47 coastal carolina 7 jmu just beat that ass some chickens had very bad days Without Grayson McCall, Coastal doesn't have anything. Yeah. It's bad. And their defense can't hold on. I think there was a quote from the JMU coach. was just like, we shouldn't feel bad for them because they have a backup quarterback. They had five years to recruit a backup quarterback. Yep. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, no. <laughs> the Duke's talking spicy. This game, Coastal only had 183 yards. I think that's the lowest they've had in two, three years. Like, that's nothing. Jam, you had over 500. 
and were running it as well as throwing it. It didn't matter what they did. I popped in on this game a couple of times and every time it just seemed like JMU was just doing whatever they wanted. It was crazy. I hate that we are denied more JMU. I am too. I think that them not being bowl eligible is horseshit, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah, that's dumb and stupid and I hate it. We can be better than that. Well, I don't know. It's college football. I don't know if we, we should be better than that. We should be better than that. We're, but yeah, right. That can be the NCAA's new tagline. We should be better than that. I like that. Western Kentucky 32, FAU 31 in overtime. This is what happens, by the way, when you don't bring Big Red to a game. He did not travel as far as I'm, mm-hmm. I'm aware to this game. And they ended up having to take FAU to overtime in Boca. Yeah. You yeah. want to tell me that Big Red isn't worth like an extra one point, two points? You're going to make that argument? You can't. His, wow. his, his, his thrusting. He creates power from the thrusting. Mm-hmm. Beth, did you see the Jacksonville Jaguar mascot today? I did not. Oh, God. Hold, hold, hold up. Let me get that video real fast. Oh, no. No. Okay. Yeah, I, I saw the Jags mascot, which is... Uh, Jackson yeah. DeVille. He's doing, Jackson he's doing great. DeVille. Yes, he's doing great. Uh, let me find it. It's, it's, Beth is excited. It's, Here we go. It's a, lot, well, it's a lot of thrusting. Let me find it. Just drop that in the Discord for you. That's an outfit you could wear. Oh yeah, no, play play it because he he's there's some. Oh, I'm about to. Oh yeah, no, he's there's some moves. Well, okay, two things. Oh yeah, only two. Okay. Thing one: the NFL is never allowed to say anything about the flag code ever again. Mm-hmm. And thing two: why does it have a Kool Aid Man smile on its chest? I don't know. That also wears me out. Only thing I can see. The other thing, well, what, there's two it, things I can see, but that's one of them. Yes. When I posted this, a bunch of Jacksonville folks were like, oh, you didn't know he does stuff like this. Look at the other picture I just sent you in the Discord. Uh, I, There's your bad Santa. Christmas Merkin. Okay. Yep. yep. So apparently Jacksonville does things like this. Extremely Florida. It is, it is. It is so fucking Florida. Why don't you bring Big Red? Big Red could do this. Actually, putting clothing on Big Red implies that he's not wearing clothing all the time, and that brings so many problems. It's like Porky Pig having a shirt. It creates lots. It creates more questions than it answers. I don't so, want to know. So we have this mascot who only wears, we'll call them pants. We'll be generous. Yeah. And then we have a number of mascots, you know, the duck and a few others that like are our shirt only squad. Mm-hmm. I have gotten to the point where I am completely desensitized to shirt-only squad. It doesn't bother me at all. I didn't realize how much pants-only squad was going to upset me. Like, on Mm -hmm. a deep, visceral level. I didn't realize that, like, for me in the mascot hierarchy, it is much more important that they are wearing a shirt than if they are wearing pants. If I have to choose one, wear the shirt. There's a great moment in Daniel Tiger, which is a kid's show. Because Daniel and his dad only wear, like, zip-up sweaters and no pants. Mm -hmm. Mom always wears pants and a shirt, but Daniel and dad only wear zips. And so there's a great thing where they're like, Daniel's Daniel's in his pajamas, which are like a two-piece set of pajamas, like (laughs) pants and a button down. And dad's like, oh, you can't go out of the house in your pajamas. He goes, oh, that's right. And then he comes back in wearing less clothing. (laughs) Daniel Tiger canonically lives in Florida. that, That would make a lot of sense. They asked, people kept asking me to bevel Big Red. And I don't know what happened to the version of Big Red I had pulled up on my phone. But iOS kept crashing out. Like it kept crashing to the Apple logo and having to reboot. And then I try to bevel it again. And the phone would like, like it was getting hot to the touch. And I wasn't <laughs> on my phone all day. I don't know what the fuck happened. I, maybe it's just telling you that you can, listen, Big Red is as beveled as, as Big Red can be. 
you cannot bevel that mascot any further. It has all of the requisite planes and angles that are possible. Or 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 it's it's too it's too perfectly spherical. Like you can't draw lines to bevel. You're, <laughs> you know, it's it's you're taking integrals that don't exist. I took a square root of negative one and like things started getting hot on my phone. It was a problem. I now want to like do like a big red crossover into the book Flatland. I'm not sure what will happen. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's your deepest cut of the day. That is a really good cut. Moving on to some action. Akron 44, Northern Illinois 12. I'm only going to shout this one out because Akron closed my conference circle for me. That, that, was, that was friend of the pod, legend of the pod, Jeff Undercuffler Jr. The Undercuffler. <laughs> Which I think we decided was the backup to the Onceler in the Lorax, the Undercoupler. Yes. Yes. That sounds right. Yes. Akron, who has been uh, really bad, went to NIU and just absolutely beat the crap out of them. NIU fans were so despondent in their mentions. They were yeah, they so were, unhappy. They were not happy with this. I mean, they won the MAC last year. And then now they're three and nine and they just got blew, blown out by Akron on the road, I think. Right? It was at NIU. It was at NIU, yeah. Oh, it was crazy. Your sacrifice was not in vain, NIU fans. I know. It was. It closed the circle, and that's really what's important. Did you see my American circle I finally closed? Yes. I closed it, but I had to go through the MIAC and through a bunch of other shit, too, and through three, <laughs> F- through three FCS playoff teams to yeah, get this, back. It's like it, there and back again, the American tale. Yes. God. To the Platypus Cup, which is what I'm going to call this game from now on. Oregon State beat Oregon. Before the game, the power went out in Corvallis, apparently, like around yeah. the stadium. And then they just sort of like got power back to the stadium. They referenced it a couple times in the broadcast. And the broadcasters looked like they were crammed into not the usual booth in Corvallis. But that stadium also has a bunch of construction around it, too. So who knows what happened? It was weird. Yeah, there's, that stadium's underneath renovation right now. I remember last, I think last January, I believe they... They imploded like half of the stadium or like one side, one stand. So it's still, the stadium's under construction. I, I, I have to shout out Benny the Beaver. I have to put some respect on the, the Beaver's name. Oh, that's right. Because, they got mad at you and you were like the Beaver. His name's Benny. No, I was like, I was like, uh, like Beaver's, Beaver crowd, sur- crowd surfing Beaver. Uh, and like, you know, just, just doing it because, you know, people find it funny when you just say the word Beaver. Mm-hmm. Even though it's associated it's fu- it's with Oregon State, that's fun. It's funny, yes. Yeah. Like, oh, listen, Pennsylvania is like the locus point of beaver jokes. We okay. have Beaver County. We have Big no. Beaver. We have okay. Beaver Falls. Oh beaver yeah, stadium. Oh yeah, Beaver, beaver Stadium. stadium. You yeah, have a stadium for beavers. That's we right. We sure do. We sure do. <laughs> yep. Shout I, I tweet out to, that. Shout I tweet out to that. Beaver. <laughs> I, I tweet that. Shout out Big Beaver. I tweet that, and one guy gets in the message like, "Put some respect on Better the Beaver's name." And then so I reply back to it and put like an asterisk, puts respect on Benny the Beaver's name, and then put another asterisk. Like I'm like, here, I am not I am not disrespecting the mascot. I just said the beaver thing just for stupid engagement. I know Benny the Beaver's name. Gun to my head, I'm not sure that I could have told you what his name was. Oh, I actually no, don't I, think I knew that. I know Benny. I know Benny. And Puddles the Duck, yes. That yep. one, that one's going to get the engagement right there. There you go. Oh, uh, oh uh, now I angered the duck fans. So I angered the beaver fans. And then now I angered the duck fans. All right. uh, the, du- the duck fans should be pissed off by the fact that uh, Oregon State came back from a 17 point deficit without passing the ball once. They should take their energy and put the anger towards that. 
I can't believe I had this game on the entire time, and I, I still don't believe what I saw in this game. Like, I, I just don't understand how this happened. We knew that Oregon State was good. Like, they're not a bad team. They've never been a bad team this year. They've always been feisty. But to just decide to run smash mouth at Oregon, and and it's the it's the old Steve Spurrier thing of like, well, we're going to keep running it until they fucking stop us. And they didn't. Nope. No, no idea how this happened. It, it was just... I mean, the Beavers just brutalized the Ducks. It was it was crazy. And you're down 17. You think that, oh, they got a pass. No. Nope. <laughs> Oregon State was just like, no, we're going to run the ball, and then we're going to run the ball, and we're going to run the ball again and again and again and again, and you're not going to stop us. And they didn't. Mm-hmm. And you look at that and you go, well, well, Oregon probably had a bunch of turnovers. Nope. 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 Uh, Oregon State had three. Well, they or Oregon did have some special team snafus. I'll say that they did. They did. They did. So they did. they did have the one weird one where the punter dropped the ball at, at like the three yard line, and then Oregon State got a quick TD off of that, and then they kicked off, and then the Oregon returner was like, "Hey, I'm just gonna let the ball bounce. It's gonna bounce into the end zone." And it, it, it bounced. <laughs> it bounced at like the one, and just bounced straight up. Like it didn't even go backwards at all. And then, so the Oregon returner is like, what am I supposed to do? He tries to catch the ball. He catches it and he gets like a four yard return to like the five. So there was some special team snafus. There wasn't turnovers, but oh God, did special teams. That's that hidden yardage that you don't see in these yards. Remember, uh, offensive yards are a shit stat. So you shouldn't pay attention to the fact that Oregon had 470 yards to Oregon State's 328. That's the the Kirk Ferentz philosophy right there. Well, let's talk about the Big Ten West winner, Purdue. Purdue 30, Indiana 16. They win the old oaken cup barrel container thing. I can't remember what it's called. It's the old oaken barrel. It's the old oaken bucket. Beth read the poem. That's right. Oh, that's that's right. And I found, that's right, because I found it. I found like the song. There's sheet music Mm -hmm. to it too. Yeah, there sure is. We got it. We'll we'll pull that out. We'll, We'll We'll do that. That'll be fine. That, Absolutely. It'll be the old oaken bucket, and that'll be our, our finally we'll get some music for the podcast, and it'll just be the old oaken <laughs> bucket music. <laughs> I somewhere I have someone bought me an old book of like college fight songs from like 1910. And it has like all the fight songs from like all the schools with all the no all the words you can't say anymore. Mm-hmm. And so with, with some edits, we could probably do that too. I got this, Jordan. Oh, you got what a jaw is, harp, yes! What is that? The jaw harp. It's a jaw harp? Oh, okay. Sorry, podcast. Like, yeah. uh-huh. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah. It's <laughs> awesome. Like, okay, I had no idea what the name of that instrument was, but yeah, it, it makes that sound. That's great. There's like Listeners, four names for it. Yeah, yeah. It's the Ozark harp. It's the Jaw harp. It's the Jews harp, which is it doesn't actually have anything to do with the Jewish people. Nobody knows where that name came yeah. from. It's technically a lamellophone, which is a vibrating metal plate instrument. I record from in my music room, so I have an organ right there. I have a piano behind me. I have half a dozen brass instruments, easily a dozen woodwind instruments. I have all kinds of stuff in here. It just so happens that I keep the Jaw harp like right next to where I record. What she's saying is that's a threat, guys. <laughs> or a promise, you know. I will say that this does mean that Purdue is going to play Michigan in the Big Ten title game. And all of a sudden, one of the earliest memes I ever made, and I didn't even think it was for the Sickos Committee. I think it was actually just for the Discord back in the day. 
was was Purdue Pete as Bane yep. going, do you feel in charge? With like his hand on the back of the guy's neck. And I was like, uh-oh, this is what this feels like again. <laughs> I, I Purdue Pete is a happy-go-lucky fun guy until you have a number next to your name. And then Purdue Pete gets very angry. Did, yeah. did Purdue get ranked? So uh, have, have their no. powers been... Nope. Okay. They were not, not ranked. ranked. All right. So let's hope they're not ranked in the CFP also. Just There's to no make way. sure that there's that unranked Purdue. I know they're eight and four, but you know, make sure they're unranked Purdue because I'm sure all Michigan fans, which they're, they're constantly terrified at all times. Uh, they're riding they're, high. They're a and skittish, they're, they're a skittish bunch. <laughs> they're a I don't, skittish bl- bunch. I don't blame, I don't blame them. No, you, I, don't I don't blame, blame them, them but they are a skittish bunch. No, no life I, teaches us lessons and they have learned that one. <laughs> they have learned. They n- never take anything for granted. Believe me, I, as a Saints fan, I never take anything for granted either. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, God, I'm still... It, it's been... It's. Oh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> so also in the Big Ten, Michigan State 16, Penn State 35, all I have to say is they fucking broke the land-grant trophy. Hey, hey, mm-hmm. hold on, hold on. Allegedly, the land-grant trophy said that this part which was the Spartan part of it, was already yeah. broken before this. Did you see how they brought it in? <laughs> oh, it's great. It was in it was in like a laundry bin covered in towels. And it just the combination the comparison of that to we just watched the Grey Cup final and they bring in the Grey Cup, this ancient trophy by ancient, you know, like the, the ancient tea set of old. They bring it in with two mounties through the stadium and it's this big mm-hmm. procession. The land grant trophy? Nah, it's in a laundry fucking wagon covered by some towels. So oh yeah, like, this is very much like Screech sneaking into the locker room and saved by the bell is how yep. you got this thing into the stadium. Mm-hmm. Still one of my favorite trophies. What do you it's want to so bet beautiful. that at the bottom of that laundry bin is a broken Sparty? <laughs> <laughs> the towel broke it when they revealed the towel off. That, so. mu- that must have been it, yeah. That's all right. We got to get the hot glue gun. We'll mm-hmm. fix the land grant trophy. I live about 45 minutes from State College, and I'll tell you what, I'm half tempted to just take a couple hot glue guns up there and, and fix this thing before Meemaw gets really pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have to go through the whole game, Kamish, but tell us about Southern Miss 20, ULM 10. So Southern Miss went out to 10 nothing lead. ULM fought back to make it 10-10. The whole game was just just rain. Nothing but rain. I mean, ULM fought as much as possible. Southern Miss took the lead late, 17-10. They got a field goal, make it 20-10, and and that was it. It was ugly, ugly, ugly game. I texted my sister to congratulate her on Southern Miss being bowl eligible and and getting the win, you know, congratulate them for beating ULM. And she just replied back, oh, no, ULM. And I'm like, you're not happy? No, ULM lost. I'm sorry about that. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So that threw me off. And you need, that a better villain. Now, you need a better villain in your life. I know. I'm like, I'm like, she was just like, oh no, sorry that you lost. And I'm like, that kind of hurt more. You know, <laughs> it stung a little bit. Like she took the, I don't like, even think I, I about was, you. I was like, yeah, it was like the Donald Draper meme. Like, I don't think about you at all. And I was like, oh my God. Damn it. Damn it, sister. She burned me good by not really even thinking about it. Yeah. It, it, that hurt a little bit. So, uh, I had a dream, which I, I think I told you earlier today in, in the Discord, that Terry Bowden retired and became the ULM AD. And then he named, uh, I don't know who he named as a new head coach, 
So uh, Signals Committee forecast that Terry Bowden is going to retire because he's 67 in February, and he's going to be the ULM AD. That's a Signals Committee prognostication that will not come true. If it does, give us all the credit in the world. But again, uh, it's it's not a good sign that I, I had a great weekend when I'm dreaming about a new head coach. I was just thinking you, <laughs> you are you are you are probably the second person in the in the world besides Terry Bowden himself to have a dream about Terry Bowden. <laughs> I think that circle that that list is you and Terry Bowden. Uh, I, I would say in the late '90s there probably be some nightmares okay, about that, Terry Bowden yeah, that is Auburn, true. Mm-hmm. but that yeah, is true. I'll, I'll give you that. But th- probably this year, yeah, I had a, I've been having trouble sleeping a little bit some nights, and I I take some of that that ZZ Quill like the Night Quill sleeping oh, melatonin yeah. things mm-hmm. and so anytime i get some nyquil or any nyquil product in my body the, the dreams are extremely weird and crazy and vivid and lifelike like lucid dreams and weird this, as hell so this, this I, I dreamed about terry bowden yes this feels like it feels like we need to pump you up with more of this to get more prognostications he's our oracle at delphi but only when he's hopped up on nyquil <laughs> zz quill the he, one with he, huffs, with Kem- he, he eats zz quill and huffs paint thinner and then he comes out and just talks in tongues. We have to understand his. <laughs> That's the Sickos Committee com- uh, contribution to the coaching carousel. Terry Bowden, athletic director, ULM, because that's still open. Is there, a De- <laughs> is there a Delphi, Louisiana? Of course, there's a no, there's there a is. Delhi, there's a Delhi, Louisiana, De- and, and and it's pronounced Del High. Del High. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Okay, we'll call that <laughs> close, the, close the, or- the Oracle of Delhi, Louisiana. <laughs> The commish. That's right. There it is. Elevation eighty nine feet. There is there is absolutely nothing there. Hey, commish. Miami's really broken. <laughs> We're gonna go back my on this again. Lord. This is the game for like my family connection. Again, my dad's from Pittsburgh. My mom is from Miami. So we call this, I guess, the Dan Marino Bowl. And just in my head, because I mean, he played for Pitt, and he and he was. No, legend in Miami. A legend for Pitt, a legend for the Dolphins in Miami. So it has that dual connection. Man, I, I can't believe how bad this game started for, for Miami. <laughs> uh, it was just like, I don't know what Miami does, but like they just hurt themselves so much. They are like, they are just so careless with the ball. They they fumble, they throw interceptions, like like ridiculous interceptions. Miami is driving down the field, gets into the red zone, and then throws the most inexplicable interception you can think about. On the return, the quarterback gets hurt, so they have to put in the backup. First pass from the backup on the next drive, interception. That's not the first time that's happened to Miami this year. They've put in quarterbacks and gotten immediate turnovers. It is not. That happened a lot in the Middle Tennessee game, I'll say that. And then they put in the the third straight quarterback. So three drives, three different quarterbacks for Miami. And I'm just like, I three turnovers in like their first four drives. Pitt had three touchdowns. It was 21 nothing. And, and really, that's pretty much the game. Like Miami kicked a really sad mm-hmm. field goal down 28 nothing to make it 28 three. So sad. There was one that they tried earlier when it was 21 nothing, but they missed it. I, I see that was a sad – it was the third quarter. If it was the fourth quarter, it was even more sad, which it could have been. Uh, the final score wound up being like 42-6. Pitt's social media team was just ripping Miami. Brutal. Like, I like, mean, just – Oh, my God. That's un- 
I feel like that was a little uncalled for, but again, it's fine. It's it's the last game of the ACC Coastal. Let it all out, Pitt fans. Just go for it. Just just talk trash to Miami as much as possible. I know. Again, this is kind of like a a little bit of a rivalry game. Like they're gonna keep playing once the divisions go away. Yeah. So this is like in the pod, yeah. but like the Pitt to Miami connection, there is a there is a little hostility there. I mean, and- if. If the social media manager is about my age, going back to the old Big East days, like, this was a very angry, like, inexplicably angry rivalry for a long time. Like, and then a lot of those Miami teams in the 90s would just basically sit there and play the stop hitting yourself game with your team. So, yeah, I mean, I can imagine that's the kind of thing where you're like, I'm mad, I'm mad forever. Mm-hmm. I if, listen. If if WVU did that to Miami, I would be all over Twitter, just exploding the canes. It was like criticizing coaching. Like it wasn't even like in jest. It was like just no. Absolutely it, it, it was yeah. it was straight up just brutal. It was oh my god, Pitt social media manager. But again, that's I'm sure Pitt girl was like loving that. Hell yeah, she was. Yes, yeah, she, she was. was. She was celebrating, it. Uh, even though she's not on the pod. We know she's she's smiling somewhere, listening. Tell me, um, tell me about the helmet guy. Okay, so I don't know what happened. Pitt's up 42-16. This is near the end of the game. And so there's a player. A, it looks like a defensive lineman. His name is Devin Danielson. He's a senior on the Pitt team. He's frustrated at something, and his teammates are trying to talk to him and trying to take his helmet away from him. And I don't know if he got hurt or maybe a possible concussion. I don't know what happened that led to this. Pitt girl will probably be the resource that we need to get more details on this. And she'll probably correct me if I'm incorrect here, but I'll just go from the part here is that he walks away from his teammate and he takes his helmet and slams it into his head, like his head without a helmet, like three or four times. I can't remember. Uh, I just, I keep looking at the bench reaction, which is the best. Just basically slams in his head. And then he puts the helmet back on and he's, he's like, he's ready to go back in the game. I, I, I was just like, I, I couldn't believe what I saw. And the, you know, just watching him slam his helmet into his his head multiple times, I kept looking in the background at the bench, and like the bench seems like, oh no, here he goes again. Like he's definitely done this before. So I'm reading articles and very and and the the, the things that people are saying about him are, he's very intense. Everyone's passionate about the game. This this is just how he handles it. This is not the first time he's done this. Okay. So like they've seen it before. And so there were some players on the bench just watching him and like covering like, oh no, I can't believe he's going to do this again. There was another one was like, oh, I can't believe he's doing it. And then there's the completely shocked guy, which the completely oh, yeah. shocked guy with his mouth just wide open. I, I don't, I can't tell what number it is. It looks like, uh, it's just like a, he has a, one of those black skull cap. I'm sorry, the blue skull cap, the pit skull cap on. Mm-hmm. And his face is just wide open, like, oh, <laughs> just, just tweeted the video. And I was like, hey, I know it's tough to not look at the guy slamming the helmet into his head. But watch the bench reaction here. Watch watch and, the reaction. It's great. Uh, UTEP 31, UTSA 34. Guys, this one broke I'm sorry, my fucking minors. heart. UTEP was up 24 to 0, seven minutes into the second. And then UTSA woke up. When they came back out in the second half, it was totally different. Frank Harris woke up and just bombed him. So and that's I'm, that's fine, like whatever. But I'm, man, you uh, look good. I was one of somebody in the Discord started talking about the mine cart yep. and like 
what we should do for the minecart. And I'm like, dude, this is the third quarter. Yeah. And from that point, I think it was like 31, 21. I'm like, no, no, there's a lot of game to go here. This is ridiculous. UTSA can put up points in a hurry. It got the 31, 31. Utah was driving. They got inside, I think, UTSA's 15. Mm-hmm. And they had the weirdest tipped interception. It was tipped at the line. And then UTEP had the interception. And then UTSA just drained the clock to the end and kicked the game-winning field goal to win it and derail the Bowbound Express. It was a heartbreaker. S- sorry, UTEP. That was, man, you guys went to the Alamo Dome and you you shut that place up. And it's a loud, like the Alamo Dome is a loud place. It's, it's built like an old dome. It's an airport hangar. It's loud. Yeah. And And UTSA gets it loud. And they had it shut up and they came back out in the second half and just rolled them. Yikes. Yeah. It, it's just a, it's a heartbreaking way for the season to finish for Utah. Uh, they had a couple of chances that they didn't need this game. They nope. could have beat rice. Uh, they, they blew an, another game. I mean, it's just basically, they just couldn't close the could've deal. Be, could have beat New Mexico. They, they could, they could have beat New Mexico. I mean, there's many chances that UTEP had this year. So, I mean, we're bummed out for them. Uh, my wife is happy, though, the UTSA alum. So uh, she she's happy with the win and, and looking forward to hosting the Conference USA championship game. Yeah. All glory to the 10-win Meeps. And, you know, we'll ride the minecart to victory next year. Uh, we'll talk more about this game later on. But UNLV 27, Nevada 21, 22. UNLV takes the Fremont Cannon. Nevada ends up winless in the, in the Mountain West. The interesting part is that UNLV might make a bowl at five and seven because of their academics. Who knew? App State 48, Georgia Southern 51. This was a banger. This game was on fire. This game was on fire the whole time. Kyle Vantries, Detmer Darling, 32 for 49, 338 yards, three TDs, one int. Both teams had over a thousand yards total combined. This makes Georgia Southern Bowl eligible. Clay Helton was like having the time of his life. And even though App is six and six because they played two FCS teams this year, they are not bowl eligible. So they went from beating AM and hosting game day to coming up short for a bowl, which is just pain for them. This was a great game. Once it went to overtime, it was nuts. The App State kicker missing the field goal in an OT, that was just ugh. Oh brutal. God. Yeah. That, that hurt. And, you know, not not great. And Georgia Southern getting the win. It was it was nuts. I think I had that right. Did the App State's kicker miss an OT, or was it he missed one to he missed one and then it went to OT? I think it was one of the two. I can't remember. Okay, so the, yeah, the, the first OT was a quarterback uh, was a touchdown for. Uh, you know, there it, was, it is the it last right, right at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. so he missed a game winning yeah. kick to win it, a thirty yard field goal. He missed it and sent it oh, to overtime. So right. that that hurt for App. I mean, App has had. App has had like just an insane year. Like mm-hmm. personally, there's just been nothing but like wild games for App, and them missing the thirty yarder to win it at the end. That's uh, a bummer. At the it went to double overtime, so yeah. touchdown, touchdown. Then App had to settle for a field goal. They make that one, but then Georgia's yep. boy Georgia Kyle just... gets the touchdown. Twenty-five yard pass for the touchdown, the longest pass you could possibly throw in OT without losing yards. I didn't watch much of this game. I just got watched the second hand. A&M 38, LSU 23. What the fuck happened? 
So I, I watched this game and I kind of saw it coming. Like this is one of those where A&M had nothing to play for. This was their last game of the year. And then you're going in the college station after they played horribly against UMass the week before. It was going to be a packed stadium. They're hyping up LSU is possibly the first college football playoff team with two losses if they can beat A&M and then they could beat Georgia after that, which is probably going to happen. We, we didn't think it was going to happen anyway in this situation. And then I kind of knew this was going to happen when like LSU just could not stop A&M, which was weird because I could just tell like, like A&M's line was firing off the ball and LSU was not getting any penetration on the quarterback at all in the first half. None. Like no pressure on the quarterback whatsoever. And then the one time that they do get pressure, somehow the A&M quarterback like wiggles away and throws a touchdown pass. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, okay, this is A&M's night. In the second half, LSU tied at 17-17. I'm like, okay, maybe LSU can overcome this. Maybe they can do this. And then the next time LSU gets the ball, it's scoop and score touchdown for the Aggies, and that was pretty much it. It was just one of those games where it's a speed bump. Like, it's a pothole you're going to hit. Like, it means nothing to the team you're playing against. Yep. They treat it as a bowl mm -hmm. game, and they don't like you anyway. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, like, the Aggies fans don't like LSU. There's, there's just like, again, this is the de facto rivalry game in the SEC that right. A&M has the replaced. Yeah. The assignment, which, I mean, again, it, it's, it's pretty close. Good driving distance. But I, I could tell this was coming, and I'm like, I was, I was terrified of this game for LSU and, and, and as a fan. So it was just like, I, I just hoped it didn't happen. As soon as that scoop and score happened, I turned the game off and I was just like, I, I'm done. And they just kept going and a and just kept just pounding. Like they couldn't stop. It was just like one-on-one -on -one, man to man matchups. And they, nobody on LSU won a man to man matchup. It was just so weird. It was, it was so weird. And I mean, Brian Kelly at the end, just looking sad. And, and that he was all LSU fans in that moment. He was just like, he went, I don't he know went what happened. All the colors. Yes. Cause there was at one point where he was matching the purple on the uniforms. He got real shouty sometimes too. It was, there was chances that LSU had in the first half. Like they, yeah. oh, they yeah. could have had a touchdown pass. They drop it. They have to settle for a field goal. They, I mean, LSU just like basically hurt themselves a ton. And then the A&M's confidence just kept growing throughout the game. If, if LSU could have like maybe taken a lead in the game, which they never had one at all, they, they just could only match A&M. If LSU maybe got a lead or something, maybe A&M would have backed down a little bit, but no, not at all. Hey, Kamish, tell me about the Houston Cougar roller coaster. I need the sound effect here, Beth. I'll add a crash sound here too. <laughs> Seriously, I don't know ever... No idea what to expect from Houston. And I was this was this what West Virginia football was like under Dana Holgerson all the time? Was it this yes. chaotic? Oh yeah. Oh Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, people remember the 70 to 33 Clemson game. Yeah. They don't remember that that game, like that West Virginia was losing that game until the very end of the first half. <laughs> <laughs> this this game, I oh god, I just don't have any explanation. For, for Houston at all, it, it makes no <laughs> sense, none. Which again, they they beat East Carolina, like like forty two three. Which we nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw this coming. So Houston, 
first drive, missed field goal. Okay, they stop. They stop Tulsa on the first drive. They take the punt to the house. They're up 7 nothing. I'm like, all right, the Cougars got this one. Tulsa gets a field goal. And then Houston was like, fine, touchdown, 14-3 Houston. Tulsa gets a field goal. It's 14-6, whatever. They're taking care of Tulsa. Houston gets a field goal. 13-6. I mean, 17-6. Touchdown Tulsa. 13-17. They're like, okay, maybe. What's going on here? Houston's up 24-13. Then Tulsa gets a touchdown. So it's 24-20 at halftime. You're like, what is going on? Why can't you stop Tulsa? Tulsa's like 4-8 or 4-7. This is crazy. Like, you just shut down a bowl eligible going to a bowl East Carolina at East Carolina. You had home against Tulsa. Okay, this makes no sense. Tulsa gets the ball out of the half. They take the lead. It's 27-24. Tulsa. Houston ties it up 27-27. This is this is this is the fun part for what Houston does on their next drives in this situation. So next drive, Houston interception. Three three plays, negative yards, punt. Three plays, one yard, punt. Four plays, 16 yards, punt. Just like what happened? What happened, Houston? And in, in that process, Tulsa gets a touchdown and a field goal, so they're up 37-27. Houston drives all the way inside Tulsa's six-yard line. They have three minutes left. They kill two minutes of clock in this situation. A little clock commandery from Dana Hogerson. He didn't really use any timeouts, but I, I don't think he had any at this point. In this case... They get a field goal to make it 37-30. Then they have to kick an onside kick. Tulsa recovers it. They kneel it out, and that's the game. They lose 37-30. I don't know what happened. Like, you look at the team stats. Houston had 506 yards. Mm -hmm. They had one interception. That was it. I don't know. Houston, you are so confusing. I love you. (laughs) Sometimes the roller coaster ride ends with everybody getting off and going to get funnel cake. And sometimes the roller coaster ride ends with the roller coaster flinging everyone into the lake at Mach 1. <laughs> and then uh, Tulsa fired their coach. Yeah, Tulsa yeah. fired their coach. Yeah. <laughs> at least he goes out with a win against Houston, which, you know, he enjoyed the cougar coaster ride. Beth, did you watch the Oklahoma State game? I know you said you were going to. Well, I mean, I, so I started watching that game, I think, in the second half. Because I just I, didn't want any part of that in my life. And I turned it on and I found my team playing in a lake. So I, yeah, the dra- I watched Let's talk about some drainage game. issues, guys. I watched the entire <laughs> game. Drainage issues. I watched the entire game. I was like, I know Beth was going to be on the pod. I was like, let's watch yep. this entire. And I had it. I had it. The the sound on in the quad. That's right. We can have sound effects this time instead of the yeah. last podcast where we kept <laughs> asking for sound effects and we didn't we get any. Get we, we didn't get, get any them. sound effects. None. We got nothing. You got <laughs> discounts. <laughs> last you got, pod, no you sound got, you got You got great value editing. Okay, guys? <laughs> yeah. Like J- Jalen Anderson was a revelation in that game, oh, which is like I had – I didn't know he was on the team before that. <laughs> Seriously. So, Bad sign lead, you're like, oh, who's this guy? He has 160 yards and two touchdowns. What if where have you been hiding him? This whole yeah, year. Like all year, whenever we're like, boy, our rushing game should be so much better. I can't figure out why it's not. Like hmm. <laughs> it's just the incredible, I think the smoking musket was just like, you know, it's nice to finally play the freshman and then watch him run for 160 yards. Mm-hmm. 
There was one inexplicable thing that Neil Brown did at the end of the game. I don't know what he did, why he did this. It was like a minute 40 left or minute 36 left. It's third down. Make Oklahoma burn their final timeout. Run the ball. Mm-hmm. Do it. You've been running the ball. You have 280 mm-hmm. rushing yards. You only have 77 yards passing. It's a oh, monsoon. Like, yeah, still this is like this is one of the worst monsoon games I've ever seen. <laughs> It is not a stretch to say they were literally playing in a lake. Seriously. Hacking was not going to work in this game. Why are you trying? Why are you trying? So then he tries to throw a go route down the sideline on third down. What what are you doing, Neil Brown? Now I'm upset. Like, I'm not even a West Virginia fan, and I'm upset on your behalf, Beth. This is ridiculous. Yeah, we got to the end of this, and a couple other West Virginia fans and I are like, if this is the game that saves Neil Brown's job, I swear to God. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't do that to me. Yes, cool. He's proven he can win in the state of Oklahoma. We're all very proud of him. Please give us a new coach. I was a great, it was a crazy game. And I, I just don't, like, they ran the ball. Yeah. And then in the second half, they were just like, oh, we're not going to run the ball anymore. No. Yeah, no. now we can throw it. We've proven were, that we can run it. So it's throwing it time. Yeah, that's right. We we, we run the ball to set up the, the pass in a monsoon. No, a little Brian Kelly-esque by Neil Brown here. A lot Brian Kelly-esque. <laughs> Only Neil Brown doesn't look weather. like an eggplant. Minnesota wins Paul Bunyan's axe from Wisconsin. I watched none of this game. This was another one that I, on the quad, it was the, it, it, whatever, you know, game that I put the sound on, because you can have like four games going and then yeah. only one with the sound, of course. So this is the game I had the sound on the whole time. I don't know who was commentating or whatever, but I wanted the sound on in this game. It was great, like ambient noise, great commentating, whoever was commentating this game. And of course, they're playing for an axe. I want to hear who's going to win this damn axe. Mm-hmm. I love this. This is one of my favorite like trophies because it's a freaking axe. All right. Oh, yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's just an axe. I mean, you're playing for an axe. Everybody runs to get the axe, and they chop down the goalposts. They act like they do it. It's great. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. So One of these years, somebody's going to slip, and it's going to be great. (laughs) Again, hopefully nobody gets hurt, but I'm looking at the axe further. It seems kind of rounded-edged, so it seems a little bit safer than what I thought it would be, but maybe still not. I mean, it's not like an axe you get at Home Depot with like a, a cover or something like that. In this game, this was ridiculous. It was an ultimate struggle fest. Both teams had like three field goals, and like they could get, they would just go from their 20 to the other team's 20, and they just could not get anything done in the red zone. And then at one point, Minnesota hits like a, like a 40, 50 yard slant pass out of nowhere to take <laughs> the lead. And I was like, what? I didn't know they could do that in this game. This is crazy. It, it was nuts. Slant pass, touchdown, Minnesota's up. 20, I think it's 23 16. So Wisconsin gets one chance to come back and tie it. I think Graham Mertz got hurt or he was benched. I don't know. So Wisconsin gets to first and goal at the Minnesota five with 21 seconds left in the game. This is what happened and this is what Wisconsin does. Keep in mind, Wisconsin is at home in Madison when this happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first and goal from the Minnesota five with 21 seconds left. Penalty, offensive holding for Wisconsin, backed up to the Minnesota 15. First and goal at the at the Minnesota 15. False start. Wisconsin <laughs> backs them up to the Minnesota 20. First and goal from the Minnesota 20, incomplete pass. Second and goal from the Minnesota 20. 
false start in Wisconsin. Back to the Minnesota 25. Second and goal at the Minnesota 25. Wisconsin, false start. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's second and goal at the Minnesota 30-yard line. The next pass was incomplete. Then they, I'm sorry, the next pass was completed for a five-yard gain to get them back to the Minnesota 25. So they had one last heave into the end zone for the Minnesota 25, and, and Minnesota defends it well. No pass interference, anything like that. And 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 the Golden Gophers go away with the axe. But I just, I have never seen that. And the funny thing is, like, they thought maybe Jim Leonard was could be the head coach of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if this drive would happen, this meltdown at the end, basically talked them to go get Luke Fickle from Cincinnati as their head coach. So I don't, I don't know, but like Minnesota wins the ax and then Wisconsin was like, Oh yeah, we're going to hire a new coach. UCF survives against South Florida battle of I four. So I, I I'm very superstitious about my graphics. Okay. I don't make graphics until I know the game is done because I fucked this up before last year. I, I threw a, I threw someone in the, the mine cart that I shouldn't have. Cause I was going to bed early. And I threw a team in the mine cart. I remember posting it to you being like, eh, whatever. When it's done, it's done. Whatever. I'm going to go to bed. And I fucked it up. And so I don't do that anymore. And so I'd found out that if USF won this game, the American circle would be completed. I, 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 had, I had all the math worked out already. I had the circle, but I didn't make the graphic yet. And USF was up and they were winning and it was, it was big. They were storming back. And UCF makes a catch that I still think is one of the most bullshit calls I've seen all season because his knee was fucking out of bounds and I don't give a shit what we talk about his foot. But I know Kamish was watching this too because he and I were both going back and like we were both having a moment on this one. We had we had Tim in the discord too who was a USF fan and he he lives in Tampa. He's he's I'm not gonna I guess ID him here in this situation. So he goes and he's like, there's no way that this is a catch. And I'm like, no, there's no way. But the thing is, like, UCF had two incredible catches, like, on this drive to take the yeah. lead against South Florida. Like, the one that was actually a catch, that was an actually a catch, like, the diving, like, he was, like, flat. I've never seen somebody so parallel to the ground making a catch. And then he pulls the, the ball back and puts it, like, behind his back as he's sliding, like, chest first across to make sure the ball never touches the ground after they review it. This touchdown catch, I have no idea how this guy ruled him in bounds. He was right yeah. there. And it looked like it was – I still don't believe it was a catch. And, and UCF fans are going to be mad, of course. That's and what they was, do. That's what they well, do. Well, they're, they, they're, li- they're listening to this podcast sure. at the Hilton they're managing at 2 in the morning. Okay, so. Godfrey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's just right, like, I guess ours, are, ours are listening from the La Quinta, actually. We don't have, we don't have split zone duo money. That's that's fair. The <laughs> best western, six. the best western in Shreveport on on Monkhouse Drive. That is our headquarters. Mm-hmm. Yes, we get best western. Bucks, we got to keep that fucking shit straight. <laughs> we're moving <laughs> hotels. We're moving. I was like, hey, no, that's the wrong hotel. This is where we're from, Monkhouse Drive, Best Western. Yes, they have a business center with a fax machine, so we need that apparently in the signals community. UCF yeah. UCF wins it on that weird catch and ah. Uh, is that a case of the rule of cool actually working? I think it, so. It, it was. It yeah. was. It very much was. They were just like, just give it to UCF. It's cool. We don't want to ruin their chances for the American title game. I don't. I don't, I don't know. 
But they, they get to go to Ullman to see if they can beat Tulane again. Syracuse beat Boston College. The only interesting thing about this is that Boston College was up 17 to 6 with like 12 minutes left in the game. And then Q's woke up and decided that they didn't need to lose this fucking Boston College team. I don't know where this came from. I had the game on and, and I was just like, what is going on? Like, why can't Q's get anything done at all? Like, it made no sense to me. So and then there's like rumors in the middle of the game, like like Dino's fired if he loses this game. Like halftime, they're losing. And it's just like, so BC goes up 17-6 with 12 minutes. I'm like, oh, no, is Dino fired? Oh, no. Like, what's going on? All of a sudden, Q's out of nowhere, bang, bang, touchdown. They're up 18-17. I'm like, what happened? What just happened? And then they didn't stop. They just kept scoring. They get up to 32, like 26 unanswered points. They win the game 32-23. So they avoid that dubious distinction of going 6-0 to start and then losing six straight. They only lose five straight, and then they get a win to finish seven and five. I mean, poor BC. I don't know what happened. Like, BC was dominating, and then all of a sudden, they just broke and I, I don't I still don't know what happened in this game. Texas Tech beat OU in overtime. Only thing that's interesting about this is this is the first time in school history that Tech has beat Texas and Oklahoma in the same season. Mm-hmm. There there was a wild hurdle attempt that looked like the, the to get a first down for Texas Tech. He great. got like thrown up and, and I think somebody one of our committee members was like, I, I just replied to this, do a barrel roll. Mm -hmm. like, it seems mm -hmm. like that's what he did to get that first down. It was nuts. We didn't have it on here, but I'll say I also watched the, watched most of the Apple Cup. It was actually a really great game. Washington ran away with it at the end, but it was not that way for most of the game. It was actually no. pretty close the whole time. It was 35-33, and, and I think they just bobbled the two-point conversion to tie it yeah. at 35-35, and then, then Washington just pulled away. It was a really fun game. Apple Cup's always great. That trophy looks like fuck it. I it, the trophy looks so cheesy compared to the actual game itself. I want that. I want the Apple Trophy to be like this giant like thing. Uh, let's quickly talk about some bowl dreams that are dead, some that are alive. Rice lost a close one to UNT twenty one seventeen, but Rice has the highest APR, so they're the first of the five of sevens that'll be in. Right now, we have seventy nine teams in for eighty two spots, so we're three short. Buffalo has rescheduled the game against Akron for this weekend, so if they can beat the juggernaut that is Akron. Yes. Oh, oh, by the way, we had people up in my, our mentions being like, hey, you're using the wrong Akron logo in your Mac wheel, your Mac circle. I use the old Akron logo, the old Z. So thank you for whoever's doing the, the Akron communications department that wants the proper A there. I appreciate I, I really appreciate that kind of shit. And I'm not joking. It's funny. Like you do that intentionally, though. Like you use the wrong I, logo. I, intentionally. I, I do that a lot of times. I, this time yeah. I just used an old one that I had and I tried to update <laughs> to the nice new, like the new, nice new sharp Akron A that they have. It has the Z hidden in it. I'm going to use the like the new Kentucky bird, birds fucking cat logo forever now. <laughs> when I beveled it, it looked even more fucking. It was great. Uh, new Did Mexico you see that, Kamish? No, I didn't. Can you show me that, please? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hold birds. up. Birds fucking a cat. All right. Yes. No, not birds. They're two birds fucking each other. Oh, wait. Okay. Bird sex. All right. So like the, the bird itself. So, oh, okay. So it looks like, it looks like two birds passionately fucking. Okay. Well, who's, who's helmet is this? That's Kentucky's. Kentucky. What? Yes. <laughs> That's their alternate. And you beveled this? Yeah. Let me find the bevel. Of course he did. I was beveling everything. Yeah, you turn that sideways, definitely. There. Oh yeah. I mean, Kentucky did win the Governor's Cup. I'll say that. They so did. They did. They did. And uh, Scott Satterfield, 
you know, I don't know. Maybe he's still in the hot seat. I have no idea because <laughs> you lose to Kentucky. Who knows? Maybe maybe he'll get maybe he'll get the Cincinnati job. Who knows? Like the only highlights I saw of that game, like come across the timeline, was like Louisville scoring touchdowns. But each time they they scored a touchdown, they were still down by like fourteen. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the only thing that I saw. Like I was I was trying to pay attention to that game. Sometimes on Twitter, go. oh God, yeah. Okay, the bubble makes it even more evident. Yeah, no, it's they're they're very passionately fucking. Call. <laughs> New Mexico State needs to reschedule the game. They they need one more. They had to cancel the San Jose State game because of the tragic death that happened in the program. But they it can't be an FCS game or else that they run into the app problem app state problem. So we, so we I don't follow, know what they're gonna do. We follow some New Mexico State reporters. They're applying for a waiver to get in at five and six considered for the bowl. And then they're trying to get a game with Valparaiso, who is an FCS team. But then they would need a waiver because this would be their second FCS team if they were to beat them. So they're trying to get some waivers from the NCAA. The Sicos committee says just let them in at five and six. They don't need oh, another yeah. game. Let Absolutely. New Mexico State go bowling. And I feel kind of bad because the game that I went to attend there, they lost. I know. But then ever since I left, they've, you know, again, we grace them with the presence and then they've just been winning after that. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's a good trade off. I guess, but hopefully they can get a bowl game there. UNLV has really good APR. Who knew? So Rice is number one and UNLV is number two. <laughs> of, the, of, of the teams that are five and seven, yeah. Yes, with the APR, which is apparently uh, A&M, which I, I tweeted that A&M was probably going to get a bowl at five and seven. Apparently they're 75th in APR. So they're yeah, they are, way they down are, there. They are very low. Which I don't know if 75th is accurate. Please, Aggies, don't yell at me. Yeah, so the last couple of teams that were over the line this weekend were UAB, Miami of Ohio, Missouri, who beat Arkansas to get old bowl eligible. That was Go a figure. wild game. That was mm-hmm. a wild game. Mizzou, Mizzou like won 29, 27. It is nuts. So Mizzou and Arkansas both six and six. That's so weird. Then we also had Georgia Southern with their big win over app. And then unfortunately, the Raging Cajuns. Just slid over the line. Well, I mean, they had to play Texas State at Texas State, who Texas State just fired their coach. Uh, Pouring out for Jake Spavital. Pouring out for Jake. But, yeah, I I had the game on in in one of the quad Uh, box, just trying to see if Texas State could muster anything, and they just couldn't. They couldn't put up much of a fight against the Cajuns. And, I mean, really, the Cajuns, if you think about it, last year they were like 13-1, and and this year they're only 6-6, so... And then ULM did beat them. So whatever. Whatever, Cajuns, whatever. If you had to guess, and maybe I'm maybe maybe I'm looking at the wrong thing here, but I'm gonna say the same ways. If you had to guess what the top FB, FBS school for multi year APR is, what would you guess? Not even of the five and seven teams, just like of any team. Stanford. You'd think that, wouldn't you? I would say APR. Hmm. I feel like it's going to be an East Coast school. I don't know. I'm going to say Rutgers. Uh-oh. It is, but it's Clemson. Oh, what? Whoa. <laughs> Acad- academic, uh, academic stalwart Clemson. Huh? Yeah. Wow. Wouldn't have guessed. Wouldn't have guessed that one. Wouldn't guess that I one. I would have been guessing for a while. <laughs> yeah. I right. Would, like like Clem- that would have been a long Clemson, time. Clemson wouldn't have come across the radar for a bit. Yeah, thank you for sparing us from a three-hour podcast, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> the the top ones, by the way, 
again, more, more ones that you will not guess. And this is for FBS. Columbia, by the way, is number one. Hmm. Uh, Clemson, Ole Miss, Alabama, Northwestern, Rice, Air Force, Washington, Wisconsin, and the Ohio State University has a better APR than Michigan. What? Well, that's what? that's one that's one win for the Ohio State University this weekend. Probably not the one they wanted. Yeah. And then there was the tweet that said Ohio State uh, it said like all these Michigan nerds, and then Ohio State has a higher APR. Yep. <laughs> Love it. So it looks like UConn is going bowling, which is great. And it looks like we're going to get at least one, if not two, five and seven teams in there. And I swear to God, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a heavy handed blocker on our account because I like people. But the first people who I hear being like, we got too many bowl games. We shouldn't have five, seven, six and six teams. I will block your ass. That is not what we do here. Assholes. We love bowl games. We want more bowl games. Let more. four and let four and seven teams into bowls. I don't care. This is fun. Yeah, yeah this is the sickos committee. Like, yeah, let's do it. Bring on, bring on as much weird football as we can have. If we get Iowa Pitt in the pinstripe bowl, God help oh. me. God help me. <laughs> I, I might actually try to figure out a way to get to New York City. And I hate that place. I only spend 48 hours at a time in that fucking city because I hate it so much. But I will go. I will go to Yankee goddamn stadium in the Bronx to see this. I, I watched a New Era pinstripe bowl uh, from, a, from a box one time. Ooh. That's a, yeah, I know. It was very fancy. Uh, some FCF stuff. It poured, but there were a lot of crab legs. <laughs> some FCF stuff very quickly. The Bayou Classic. Southern beat Grambling, which means they're playing Jackson State for the SWAC title. And the winner of that gets to play North Carolina Central in the Celebration Bowl. By the way, when I was doing that circle today for the American, I did not realize that North Carolina Central beat the absolute tar out of New Hampshire earlier this year. New Hampshire, which has been on fire. Yeah. Wow. North Carolina Central is going to go to that Celebration Bowl and smack around whoever it is, maybe Jackson State. I don't know that Jackson State can, is ready for what North Carolina Central has to bring on. We'll ask Blue about that later on. I'm sure Blue saying nice things about North Carolina Central will pain him, but that we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Thank you for televising all of halftime. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Always NBC, do that. NBC does that good every year. They, they will yep. televise the halftime of the Bayou Classic, which is great, which they should be doing anyway. Like yes. any of the, just mm-hmm. come on, give us. The, I, I don't need playoff talk. Let's let's go. No, yeah, I, want, I, I want I want I, NFL Network talk about the Jag. Talk to me about the Jaguars during the Sun Belt game. Yeah, yeah. No, I want the human jukebox. Put it in my veins. Yep. Done. Uh, sh- shout out to the dude in the stands for the Bayou Classic. <laughs> Everyone thought he was rolling a blunt in the Superdome. He, he was rolling, warming up a rib with his lighter, and I get that. I don't want cold ribs. I don't. I mean, this is, I mean, it's just a viral moment. Everybody's like, man, this man is rolling up a blunt in the middle of the Superdome and he got caught on camera. And like, he's like using the lighter across. That would have been great. Like, like that in and of itself would have been great. That would have been awesome. But the story <laughs> itself is even better because he was actually trying to warm up a rib that he snuck in to the Superdome and he did not want cold ribs. <laughs> he just. <laughs> I think there was a Facebook post like, leave leave my uncle alone. He brought in a rib. He was not smoking a broth. It was and great. And there's a picture of him like just biting into the rib. How many ribs do you think he brought in? Is a rib a thing no, you travel with? No I'm imagining no him 
I'm imagining him wearing like a half rack, like it's the belt full of dynamite from Speed. Oh, he's, got, he's, got, he's got a ba- he's got a bandolier of ribs. Yeah, it's bandolier. It's bandolier stuff. Absolutely, no one sneaks in a rib. You sneak in a half rack minimum. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know, man. I I think he would personally to to not get too greedy. Maybe just a little halftime snack or whatever. Maybe just three ribs. I would say just three ribs is enough to get you through the game. No, you know, when you feel no. feeling a little bit uh, half rack, okay, that's a half rack, half rack right. at least. Don't get too greedy now, sneaking in a half rack. But you, they got to be cut up though. You can't like. Well, know. I mean, the you danger of that, the danger of the half rack is that by the time you get down to the end of it, your ribs are cold. But obviously, we've solved that <laughs> problem. With the lighter, yeah. I know that's right. He's one so at a time. He got a, he got a lighter in too. That's the other thing. He got, a, he got a lighter in the Superdome too. That's the part we're not talking about. I didn't know you could do that still. Man, Louisiana Superdome security, not necessarily the best known to man. I'll just imagine. say that. We, we're, we're a little lax in New Orleans. I'll just say that. We really don't. I mean, there's flasks. There's ribs, apparently, you can sneak in. So. Uh, they're going to be patting down people for ribs, apparently, in the future now. Some more FCS playoff action. A game that was a really great game and ended up not going the way I think we were hoping. Uh, Southeastern Louisiana, 45, Idaho, 42. Idaho takes the trip to Hammond, Louisiana, and loses it in a shootout. I hope the $5 daiquiris made it feel better. Yeah, that was that was a great game. It was tough for the Vandals. Like, they... I, I don't know. Like they were in control, and then all of a sudden, uh, Southeast Louisiana the Lions just just kept going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then it was like thirty-one, twenty-one again. Idaho takes a kick to the house. This was just an incredibly entertaining game. Along I'm with sorry. The one- I'm sorry. The Lions. I believe we call them the Daiquiri Cats around here. Okay, but it's one of those things like you must call us by this name. Don't call us by that name. Oh yeah, because we can't. I can't call them by Sela because I can't That's report right. they're actually. They go by Slu now. Yes, yes. S-L-U. You prefer SLU, yeah. Okay. SLU, SELA, whatever. Yes. And then UNH 52, Fordham 42. The Fordham all gas, no brakes finally hit a team with even more gas and no brakes. UNH absolutely, I mean, this again was just, was a complete uh, track meet. And this is the one when I finally connected that, that North Carolina Central had beaten this UNH team earlier this year. That's going to be spicy. I think UNH is playing Holy Cross next week, if I remember correctly. They are. They are. And that's yep. going to be ooh, so good. Should be fun. Who are our clock commanders of the week? We have a lot of nominees. There, there's a few here. So Lane Kiffin submitted a Thanksgiving performance for the ages. They go all the way down, and, and basically they have a two-point conversion for the tie. Ole Miss has all their timeouts left in this situation. There's like a minute, 30-some-odd seconds remaining. Plenty of time to get the ball back. Plenty of time to get the ball back. They needed eight points the whole way. So you think they would already have a two-point conversion play called, ready to go, because they have to get the two to tie. Mm-hmm. So Lane Kissing takes a timeout on the first two-point conversion attempt. Like, okay, maybe they, they lined up the wrong formation and they didn't have the right personnel. I don't know what happened. No idea what happened here. Then they go set up again. They call a second timeout. Oh, Why? God. Oh, Lane, what happened there? What happened? So two timeouts burnt on a two-point conversion. Now this makes the two-point conversion do or die. And they they died, unfortunately, they, on the two-point conversion. Mm-hmm. They did not get the onside kick. Mississippi State was able to run out the clock and then lost the Egg Bowl. And that led into the the Auburn. You can have him, Lane Kiffin, Twitter tweets. That's the number one is Lane Kiffin. Who do we got next? All right. All right. So we have BYU coach Kalani Sataki. 
Stanford got a first down. I forgot the, wait, I forgot this game existed. BYU played the Stanford, by the game. way. Yes, BYU played Stanford. They won 35-26. I'll say alternate that. tree. Yes, with okay, with alternate tree, yeah. with angry eyebrows yeah. tree. I don't know who was who was tweeting about the alternate tree. I have no idea who was tweeting about that. That was me. That was you. Okay, yeah. so I had no idea. Okay, I, I didn't know anybody else was up with me at that point. But okay, so like Stanford gets a first down. There's one second left in the half, but they don't have any timeouts left. So for some odd reason, BYU calls a timeout with one second <laughs> left. I don't know why he did that. He called a timeout. It allowed Stanford to kick a 54-yard field goal to go into the half, and they make it. Just very, very weird situation. I don't, right. I don't know what that was for. I don't know. Maybe he felt bad for Stanford. I don't, I don't know. So the head coach of Washington, Kalen DeBoer, who is, is a possible coach of the year candidate here in this situation. It's the first quarter. It's the first drive. Timeout. On third and three. <laughs> third and three at the Washington 32, they call a timeout. Complete. Washington gets the first down. Washington gets another first down. Second and eight. Washington gets another first down. They're on Washington State's 35-yard line. Nine minutes remain in the first quarter. Another timeout <laughs> taken. I don't know what happened. It was first and 10, and they called a timeout. So I don't know if it was a delay of game issue that you didn't want to back up. But, I mean, they were down 3 nothing at the time to the Cougars. So I have no idea what that was, but blowing your first two, blowing two timeouts in the first half on your first drive, never really seen that. Kalen DeBoer, that was quite interesting. And lastly, Oklahoma coach Brett Venables, when icing the kicker goes wrong, Oklahoma blocks a tying Texas Tech field goal attempt. But wait, Brett Venables called a timeout to ice the kicker. God. After the ice, Texas Tech makes the kick and sends the game in the overtime. And then the Red Raiders wind up winning an OT. So Brent Venables, ooh, icing the kicker. Maybe not. It feels like like it's got to be Brent or it's got to be Lane. And I don't know which, I don't don't know which one's worse. So I feel, I feel the, the thing about Lane is that we don't know if he could have won that game. Like that, that, like that would have been, you know, a last grasp attempt. Brent really fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, that hurts. Like, honestly, like, we just blocked the kick, but oh, no, I called a timeout, so now we got to do it all over again. Yeah. That Like, you yeah. just won the game. That hurts. Uh, when if you're Lane- saying, I have decided to lose through, to- through clock management, oof. Yeah. You know, Lane still had an onside kick to go, I guess. And they 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 almost made the two-point conversion, but the fantastic read by the D lineman of Mississippi State to oh, he swat fucking read the shovel like a pass. Book. He read that shovel pass. I don't know. And, like, just swatted it down. But the it, the shovel pass was there. So, I, I don't know. I kind of want to I kinda have a dual clock commander okay. of the week. But, we'll call okay. it dual. Um, Lane and Brent. Got the, it. Congratulations. The co- the co-clock commanders of the week. I think that's all we got for this time. I want to say, please vote in our final poll. It should be up by the time you hear this. In fact, it's up as the time we're recording this. We'll collect votes for a couple days. Did you put a final date on it, Himesh? Yeah, we're going to do it for a, a week. We're going to do okay. this one. It's the final poll for the week. I think Sunday we're going to have it. And we're going to have next Sunday. We'll have Kevin on uh, our, our sickos recreational spreadsheeter. He'll be doing that information right now. I think we have 600 and some odd ballots already submitted. Hell yeah. Uh, We're going to keep plugging it throughout the week. So please cast your votes. If you want to wait until after the conference championship Saturday, you're welcome to do that. 
because maybe there's some more sickosness to happen in the, in the future if you want to. Uh, we're going to close the poll on Sunday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time on Sunday, December 4th. Get your votes in, and we definitely do appreciate everything you submit. And I think we're going to try to do some sort of charity food drive like we did last year, but we just haven't hammered out the details yet. For sure. Beth, anything else you got? Uh, no, it's about time for me to plug in tomorrow's Crock-Pot. Sounds good. I will talk to you guys later, and we will talk to you guys uh, at the preview for our championship.